Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Pogolent has teamed up with Philips TV to host an exclusive event at Abbey Road Studios. Philips is the official TV partner of the legendary studios, famous as the home of iconic artists from the Beatles and Pink Floyd to Oasis, Sam Smith, Frank Ocean and Brockhampton. And this unique event is your chance to experience the next generation of Philips TVs in the home of Cinema Sound. And to learn about the new state-of-the-art Philips OLED Plus 984 TV with its immersive Bowers & Wilkins sound system designed to create a movie experience like never before. To find out how to win your place at the event at the end of November, go to www.pocket-lint.com forward slash Philips OLED. Hi, I'm Rick Henderson and I'm standing in as host of the Pocket Limp podcast this week while Stuart is taking a well-earned break from the daily hubbub of tech tittle-tattle. We have a jam-packed episode ahead that will first turn its attention to Apple as it too has been rather busy with new products and launches. Not only did it surprise us all with the launch of its latest AirPods, this time with active noise cancellation technology, but the long-awaited Apple TV Plus is now available too. Our features editor Britta visited Apple earlier in the week to discover more about its new devices and plans, so joins me in a short while to give us her thoughts. Plus, before his break, Stuart caught up with Amazon's Vice President of Smart Home, Daniel Rausch, who explained why voice assistants, and specifically Alexa, help tear our eyes away from the screens and be less reliant on our smartphones and tablets. And finally, Pocket Lint's associate editor Dan Grabham joins me to run the rule over two new media streaming devices to launch this week, the NVIDIA Shield TV and latest Amazon Fire TV Cube. First up though, let's go back to Britta and chat Apple. So Britt, you've seen and written quite a lot about the new Apple AirPods Pro. Um, what What's different about them? Why is there a new AirPods, a uh, new pair of AirPods, even though we've already had one this year? Um, there's quite a lot of different about them actually they they were obviously rumored for quite a long time apple um didn't do water resistance or swap sweat resistance with the airpods 2 that came out in march so the pro model has that although you can't dunk them so don't go swimming with them um you can it does have sweat resistance ipx4 um they've also got a new design with a shorter stem and there's quite a lot of new features that come with that design so there's silicon tips. Um, you get three different uh, tips in the box. And there's like a feature that allows you to test what fit goes best in your ear, um, which would allow, which helps with the noise cancelling, but it also helps with the fit as well. Um, there's also this the little um, stem, which is shorter, like I said, but there's a little sort of groove. I'm not really sure how to explain it kind of like an indent that's in the stem that will allow you to force touch it so you don't tap anymore like you do with the other airpods instead you have to sort of press it a little bit or sort of give it a squeeze 
which will allow you to get more control. So before you could double tap and then it would allow you to sort of skip a song or play or pause, depending on how you set it up in the phone. With the pro models, you tap once that will allow you to play or pause or you squeeze once rather. Then if you squeeze twice, it will allow you to skip a song. Squeeze three times, it will allow you to go back to the previous song. Or if you press and hold, it will allow you to change between the two modes, which is active and noise cancellation, or the transparency mode, which allows some of the environmental noise to come through. So if you're waiting for a train or something and you wanted to hear what was going on, you'd be able to hear that whilst also listening to your music or listening to the phone call or whichever. For me, I, I kind of look at them and, and um, I'm more interested in them this time. Um, I've never really been interested in buying AirPods before, but uh, that shorter stem does actually make quite a difference, certainly aesthetically. It makes a huge difference, actually. I, I wasn't sure when I saw the pictures of them, but actually I don't think the pictures really do them justice. You You do actually need to hold them and see them and you can then see why someone might then be interested in them whereas they may not have been previously um they're also very light the new ones like incredibly light actually i can't remember how many grams they are but it's it's when you pick them up it's quite obvious how much lighter they are than the previous version and that's they- quite a surprise and quite in comparison to some rivals now i've got the um the sony wf 1000 xm 3s which are the sony true wireless earbuds with adaptive noise cancellation yeah. um but the airpods look really small to fit that kind of technology in those um like the sony's are really quite large and chunky yeah in comparison they the airpods are definitely smaller uh they use two microphones the airpods i'm not sure whether sony do the same but um airpods have got the new the pro model have got um a microphone on the outside that does some of the noise cancelling but they've also got an, a microphone in the inside that will allow you to the they both sort of work together to monitor the noise all the time I think it's like 200 times per second or something mental that then checks how much you're sort of how much noise is getting through and they it adapts it accordingly um and there's also a couple of other features that will let, will help you sort of get the right fit in your ear and make sure that that's working for you I think it's called adaptive EQ um, to make sure that the sound is right for your ear specifically they, they're quite pricey though aren't they I mean that's the that's that's the thing about these pro model yes is that you are paying for that <laughs> a premium price for the uh, noise cancellation aren't you yeah you're definitely paying a premium price although if you were considering the uh, the airpods the second gen model that came out earlier this year and you and you wanted the wireless case um, you would still be looking at 200 pounds for that so you're sort of paying an extra 50 which maybe if you were already in the market at 200 you may not be as bothered about the extra 50 whereas if you were looking at the 159 pound model you might find it harder to jump the extra 100 pounds but for people that are into fitness and things like the pro model would be more beneficial than the previous models especially when it comes to running and stuff so i don't think they'll come out as much although I guess time will tell with that for sure. Let's let's hope so. Um, the other thing that happened this week, or at least it happened uh, as this podcast goes live, um, is that Apple launched finally launched Apple TV Plus, its own streaming service. Um, for me, uh, we, we we're yet to see a lot of the shows um, 
it's quite a limited amount of shows as far as I can tell. But the main thing about it is it's very aggressively priced. Yes. In comparison to Netflix and the like, it's it's £4.99 a month, isn't it? It's a bargain, really, considering Netflix keep putting their prices up, don't they? So you actually pay quite a lot now these days, although there is an awful lot of content on there in comparison, I suppose. The morning show sounds interesting, though. I'm quite excited to look at that. That does look good with Steve Carell and yeah. Jennifer Aniston, isn't it? Um, Hopefully, that'll be great. And I'm a particular fan of Jason Momoa. Yes. So I'm looking forward to seeing C um, <laughs> with, with his big furry coats. There are quite a few on there that, that seem quite that they seem quite fun. And you said earlier that um, you get 12 months free. So if you buy a Apple device, right? That's yeah, Apple devices. If you buy a, a an iPhone, a, a latest iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, I think it is, uh, an Apple TV, you actually get twelve months of Apple TV Plus for absolutely free, which can be used also through um, uh, TV smart. Uh, very select smart TVs have the uh, Apple TV app on them. Yeah, not um, the Apple TV. Obviously, you can watch it through your iPad, etc. Um, and Roku devices. That was that was, a, and in fact, Amazon Fire devices. Yeah, now. that came out last week, didn't it? Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see. I, I do worry that there's too many streaming services. Yes, there are quite a few um, now. Shame they can't all bundle into one and give you one price for the month. But I guess that will never happen. Yeah, or there or some overarching system yeah. that can that you can sign into and it gives you all of your different streaming services in one bundle, rather than having to switch between all the apps and stuff. Yeah, that would definitely be useful. All right, let's go and strike up that business plan and Dragon Den next week. Britt. <laughs> I reckon. Thank you very much for joining us. No problem. Speak to you soon. Excellent stuff. <laughs> Still to come, I talk with Dan about the new Fire TV and Shield TV streamers. The question with all these products, the both of these products, really, is you know a Fire TV stick is obviously around fifty quid for the four K version. Um, both of these new devices are, you know, 4K, Dolby, Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos um, capable. Um, but also that, that, you know, the, the, the products around £50 are as well. So it's it's a, it's a bit of a, I, I think they're kind of a bit of a difficult sell for many people. But first, Stuart met with Amazon's Vice President of Smart Home, Daniel Rausch, to talk all things Alexa. The popular voice assistant already has a mighty reach these days and it seems that her integration into other devices is exponentially growing. So we wanted to know how Amazon itself sees her expansion and how it is addressing any privacy concerns the wider public may have. It's fascinating stuff. Enjoy. I suppose the first question I have is where do you see a world where Alexa is available in, in every element of our lives or are we already there? I think we're getting super close, uh, in particular with this last set of announcements. So, you know, customers already take it for granted that they can find Alexa pretty much any corner of their homes, whether that's sort of a five and a half inch Echo Show that customers are using as their alarm clock on their bedside table, or an Echo Studio, you know, uh, filling their living room with sound. Now they're also carrying Alexa on the go. That might be with the great auto integration. You know, we just announced uh, excellent integration across the whole GM line of cars, for example. Um, but we also have great products that, you know, personal use and wearables, uh, things like Echo Buds, where, you know, customers are able to have Alexa with them on the go all day. And do you see, I mean, 
whenever I talk about Alexa in the news medias or you know news outlets or I talk to just generally people, yeah, one of the first things they always say is is about this privacy concern about Alexa's always listening. Mm-hmm. How how does Amazon go about addressing that? And I know you've kind of it's not a negative question. It's that sense of you know these things have to listen to us yeah. to be able to work. But how do you go about working out how to tell people that it's actually it's okay and it's a, it's a yeah. good thing? I think, you know, customers, first of all, customers are right to have questions, right, for us about our products or any product, right, in this day and age. Um, what matters most is that we build products that customers can trust uh, and that they can sort of integrate throughout their lives. So from the beginning, we've taken it as sort of a tenet that we need to be transparent with customers and customers need to be in control. We just announced that even in the last year, the wake word Alexa has improved over 50%, and we're sort of between year five and year six of having that in customers' hands. We also made a whole series of announcements just around data and transparency and control. So we've always had the tenets, but we're sort of actualizing new and interesting ways that customers feel like they understand what is happening with their data so they can see their voice utterances, they can delete them, but also they can set up auto-delete now. So after three or 18 months, your utterances can be automatically deleted. Uh, and that's a new way for customers to be in control, uh, in addition to the transparency that we offer through being able to see what Alexa heard. Now, how do you... One of the things about Alexa is this sense of it's available in the home on the Amazon devices, on yep. the Echo devices. It's available in cars. It's available on toilets, even. It's available you know, in a lot of places. But compared to when you try and fight against the likes of Google Assistant or with Apple Siri, they are embedded in what most people carry around with them all of the time, their phones. How do you make that that experience more seamless without feeling like you're sort of a third-party app that's, that's trying to play in that ecosystem? How, how does that, how do, you, how do you go about doing that? Well, I think, you know, the power of the hands-free ambient user interface that we invented with the first Echo, having that sort of present interface always available keeps you fundamentally connected to the world around you. And I think that you see that expressed in basically every Alexa-enabled product we've we've delivered since. So you can obviously carry that Alexa-enabled experience throughout your home with all the different form factors that we have with screens, without screens, you know, excellent high-end sound with studio, also Echo Dot and Echo Flex that can find their way into every corner of your home. But now on the go, you also have this experience where you don't have to disconnect yourself in order to capture the power of AI. You might have in you know, one of your Echo Buds, you might be wearing one of our new day one editions, right? the Echo Loop or, or Frames. Um, and these keep you fundamentally connected to the world around you while bringing AI into that world. I don't know about you, but when I pull out my phone, I fundamentally disconnect from the world around me. And do you think that's one of the things that will happen in the future is that we'll move away from that reliance upon a phone, or the phone is there just to power these additional devices. One of the interesting things I thought about the launch was the day one edition stuff. It was the frames, it was the, the ring, and those kind of, and if you look at what Apple are doing with sort of the AirPods, or, you know, and, and the talk about the glasses there, and you look at other things, it's kind of that the phone is there to power everything, but it's, we're moving away from a phone. Do you think Alexa and Amazon could benefit hugely from that, that move? I, yeah, I mean, I think, I love my phone. I accomplish many great things with my phone. I, you know, accomplish a lot of things for work and email and I might text someone or my kids might text me, but I, it also disconnects me. And so I do think that 
the more and more that we can offer through that ambient user interface with you on the go, the better off customers will be. And going back to the, the home itself, obviously Amazon offers a lot of products now. The, the product range from the first Echo device, that single speaker, and now we've got clocks and we've got ovens and, yeah. <laughs> and all those things are moving there. The bigger industry of smart homes still seems somewhat fragmented. If I've got you know, a certain product, it, it won't work with another product. Or if I've got, does this light work with that light mm -hmm. or, or things like that? How do you think it's still too fragmented at the moment? Well, I think you see us working sort of two, two different angles on that with respect to what we want to offer customers. We want to offer customers ubiquitous choice. They can just find the way to take advantage of smarts anywhere in their home. In the first several years we had Alexa out, I think the first three years or so, we went from zero products to 4,000 products Alexa could interact with that were Alexa compatible. Last year we went from 4,000 to 30,000 in one year. This year we went from 30,000 to 85,000 just year to date. So you see this massive inflection in the amount of selection available for customers. And you know, frankly, our goal is that Alexa can interoperate with anything in the world around you. So we're working that you know, hard. We're definitely making increasingly good technology available for developers, even things like the Alexa Connect Kit that, frankly, any developer, you don't have to have any ability to build cloud software or internet capabilities, et cetera. You can smarten your device. So that's on the selection side. At the same time, we're working a bunch of programs to make things simple for customers, right? We have to cut through all of that selection and make sure customers can identify the products that are most important in terms of simplicity in their lives that they can actually use. So we created a program called Certified for Humans. The goal of that program is to basically communicate the only prerequisite for these products is that you're a human being. It's just going to be as simple as the analog world that preceded it. Setting up a plug, you plug it in. Setting up a light bulb, you screw it in. Alexa tells you it's ready to go. Now, one of the things I also saw that I thought was quite interesting from the uh, September event that Amazon held was this, the introduction of Samuel L. Jackson as a voice. <laughs> and talking to people, you know, I think it's still one of those surprising things that Alexa isn't a person to begin with. It's, mm -hmm. it's always been a computer-generated voice, hasn't it? Yeah. Do you think, is that the tip of the iceberg? Are we going to see lots of celebrities? Or is it about more, and therefore a fun approach, or is it about more about creating a personalized voice for you as, a, as, a, as an Alexa user? Well, I think one of, the, one of the most interesting things about the Samuel L. Jackson experience is that it's not just the voice that there is actually characteristics of the personality extending through that voice into the experience with that artificial intelligence itself. So, you know, for example, Samuel comes with uh, explicit mode and a non-explicit mode. Alexa does not have an explicit mode. Um, and so I think we're just excited. It's very early days with us learning even from the experience of building that voice and, you know, just stay tuned for more. Okay. Um one of the things that you're seeing, we're seeing around the world is this idea that technology is, is supposed to not only help us, but, but do good things. Mm -hmm. right? It's supposed to make us feel like a, a better society and all the other stuff. How, how can Alexa be used for good? Well, I'll tell you, in the smart home, I think, smart home started with Alexa making simple things simpler. Right? It's not that turning on your lights was particularly difficult, but we definitely get emails from customers with limited mobility that it's truly a cut-through experience, but for many customers, it wasn't that hard to begin with. We made it simpler. Now we're moving into a phase with features like Hunches, Alexa Guard, and others where we're bringing capabilities that just weren't possible in the analog home, right? You, it wasn't 
your home wasn't looking after you to make sure that your lights were on on your porch overnight or off in the basement to save energy or to make sure your door was locked. But now Alexa can have a hunch and tell you things aren't just so. Actually, there's some anomalies around the home. We should fix those as you're setting your alarm, say, going to bed. So I think um, we're reaching the point where the world for customers is truly better with that voice integrated experience. And do you think, where do you see us in that sort of, you know, big altruistic kind of thing with Alexa? Is it, is it everywhere? Is it just doing things for us on behalf of us without us really knowing? Or do you still see humans being in control? Well, I think customers want a range of experiences from voice directed control where you can accomplish something simply with your voice Something that's more collaborative, like a hunch that I just mentioned, hey, your front door isn't locked, all the way to things that are genuinely proactive and just happening on customers' behalf. I think, you know, in the ultimate smart home, a lot of it just blends into the background and you're just being taken care of better. So I do imagine that that's the end state for many of those experiences. But we've also, you know, there are things like being able to simply make a donation through your voice interface. If you see a program on the TV, and you want to donate to the Red Cross because there's a flood situation somewhere, it's made simpler through voice. So I think you'll see a lot of ways that customers are able to positively interact with the world around them through voice. And as far as on that journey is concerned, how far are we in? Are we like 5% in? Are we like 30% in? I think more than 5 and less than 30 is my <laughs> guess. <laughs> I think... Um, you know, there's so much more to come. There's so much more that Alexa can proactively do just to keep extending that, that previous question that you had uh, on customers' behalf, taking care of customers in the world around them. You know, one of the most meaningful use cases in our own home, I've got a bunch of teenagers and just even understanding the comings and goings, it's not that we felt unsafe before, but it certainly gives us peace of mind when our ring doorbell in combination with an Echo Show can just let us know who's coming or going out of the home. It's not something that we necessarily knew we needed before, but we certainly need it now and we love it. And with the, the final question I have really is about the day one edition stuff. Because again, yeah. I, that's, it felt like this is the first time where Amazon is kind of starting to say, look, we've got these crazy ideas. We're not 100% sure whether they're gonna work or not, but we thought we'd let you as the customer be involved in that. Mm -hmm. Is that a big play that we're gonna see lots more of in the future? Or is it, we've got two products and we're not sure where it's gonna go beyond there? Well, I'll tell you, we, you know, we have no shortage of ideas at Amazon, uh, that's for certain. And I think sometimes you run across an idea where you know you're going to face a certain limitation and that used to preclude us from sort of getting it all the way out into customers' hands. Day One Editions is really there to unlock the possibilities. So things like frames or loop that we're only able to make in short supply right now in sort of limited runs, we're able to get them directly in customers' hands if they love them, we'll find ways to lean into those products. Um, and so we're just really excited to get the program established because of the amount of ideas that we have and the amount of invention we want to bring to customers. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's all go in the media streaming sector at present. Not only has Apple TV Plus launched to rival services from the likes of Amazon and Netflix, two new streaming devices are now available too. An updated version of the Nvidia Shield TV and the Fire TV Cube has finally hit the UK for the first time. I've been playing with the former for a while to find out the differences between it and the previous Shield TV released a couple of years ago, while Dan has been testing the Fire TV Cube. So let's start with the latter. It's finally in the UK, but the big question, though, is has it been worth the wait, Dan? Well, in a way, yes. Um, Fire TV Cube is, is essentially a 
a sort of more advanced version of the streaming sticks that we've been used to seeing from Amazon for a couple of years now. Um, so it has 4K, it's got Dolby Vision, um, it's got all the Alexa smarts that you'd expect. But this one has a bit of a different um, a different perspective because it can actually bring Alexa control to your Skybox um, and also um, to your TV itself. So you could go, you, you could speak to it and say, um, start the crown on Netflix and it will switch on your TV and uh, start playing um, from net from the Netflix player. So it's, 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 it's pretty clever really. So does it pick up Alexa commands, not through a remote control or, um, or like an echo in the vicinity? Can it pick it up just from the box itself? That's right. It can. Yeah. So it's hands-free Alexa. So we're going to be seeing a lot more of this from the, uh, actually in t- embedded in TVs themselves. Um, Amazon um, launched a TV in Germany with Grundig um, uh, in September, and that had hands-free Alexa. And um, basically, we're going we're gonna, to yeah, we're going to see that in a lot more TVs over the next couple of years. But we did we did speak to at least one manufacturer. In fact, it was Philips in this instance, and they said that um, it was too early to to put it into in, in, into TVs themselves because the mics aren't good enough yet. So it so it was quite interesting testing this cube because um, the Farfield mics in it are good good enough to pick up voice over over quite loud sound, but Amazon um, gives people quite stringent guidelines with the cube in fact it's actually stickered on the product when you open the box that it must be at least 30 centimeters from your sound bar um, or any other audio kit so uh, th- th- there's there's definitely a, a piece that the that uh, in the future we'll get much better microphones that will be able to um you know go over a sound but at the moment it's still a bit of a developing area really is it um more powerful than the uh, the 4K streaming stick for example yeah so it's got um a 6 core processor in it um and it's got a lot of, you know it, it basically and i think 16 gigabytes of 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 onboard memory as far as i can remember from when i did the review um uh and it uh yeah it, it so it is a more powerful device um and some of the alexa commands are actually done on the device to speed things up so um and i guess we'll see a lot more of that as well over the next couple of years it as alexa and other voice assistants get put into devices that they'll be able to do, do a lot more of the processing on the device itself rather than having to upload everything to the cloud and, and get it processed that way I think my last question really is um, also relevant to the Shield TV thing is that, uh, and as will become apparent, um, is do people really want a set-top box these days, Dan? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it, it's it's like what, what what equipment do you actually need? I think this is a quite a difficult area question to answer because obviously everyone's got different kit from the off. I mean, for example, the Fire TV Cube works with a Skybox, it works with um, all the different variants of skyboxes, but it doesn't work with a BT TV box, for example, or a Virgin Media box. So, I, you know, if you someone buying this product will have to really look at, um, you know, into in, into what 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 of their existing kit it, it does work with, um, and that was a, a bit of a problem for us. One of the soundbars we tried didn't work first time, um, but one of the other ones we tried did. Now, obviously, other you know. <laughs> 
we review this kind of stuff all the time. So I've, I have got two soundbars around, but obviously most people have got one soundbar that they would, um, they would, they would set this device up with. So I think there's still, there's, there's still a way to go in terms of uh, the sort of setup and, and sort of integration of these devices really. I mean, how did you get on with the shield TV? Was that, was that similar or? Well, that's the, that was what I was really sort of like, prodding for is that um nvidia seemed to have gone away from the set-top box and suddenly looked at the um the more hidden device more subtle device and it's created this new shield tv which is very strange it looks like a tube of pringles um that sort of like sits between the hdmi cable and the power cable behind your tv so more in in sort of like in line with a with a fire tv stick although it is significantly larger than that it's more it's more so small a small cigar case kind of design um but their philosophy is that you don't want to see it anymore <laughs> rather than it, it, sticking it out in public view it's quite interesting though that they've they've obviously worked quite hard on the design to make it that sort of cylinder design yet they want you to hide it away yeah exactly um but it, funny enough though it, it the design and the subtleness just belies its power because the one thing about this Shield TV is that it's far more powerful than the previous generation. It now runs on the NVIDIA Tegra X1 Plus processor, which is the same architecture, vague processing unit that the brand new Nintendo Switch Lite works on, which is incredible, really, when you consider how much the type of games that the Nintendo Switches are capable of playing. Um, so, uh, so it's kind of pitched at this different level of um of device although it's not that far removed in price from the fire tv cube i think it's 150 pound um i think the fire tv cube is around that figure isn't well it's it? just a, a not not much over 100 actually 100 109 i think the last uh be, you know before amazon discount it for black friday obviously um so <laughs> so it is it is quite a bit cheaper i mean the question the question with all these products the, the both of these products really is you know, a Fire TV stick is obviously around 50 quid for the 4K version. Um, both of these new devices are, you know, 4K, Dolby, Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos um, capable. Um, but also the, that, that, you know, the, the, the products around 50 pounds are as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a, I, I think they're kind of a bit of a difficult sell for many people. They definitely are. I think what it is is that you have to decide whether or not you want some of the higher grade features. For example, the Shield, the new Shield TV has what it calls AI upscaling, which will take um, any content from standard or high definition content over quite a few of the apps, including um, Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, YouTube, Hulu, um, and one of the others in America that I'm not quite sure of. But the um, but it takes that that standard and HD content and turns it into 4K using uh, machine learning. And it's actually very, very accurate and very intelligent. Um, specifically, I was running YouTube trailers through it, which are invariably outputted at 1080p, and they look native 4K. So it's a very, very clever system. You can turn it on and off just in case you don't really want that kind of thing. And because it's frame rate frames that it does it on, it doesn't affect motion smoothing either. So it doesn't make your, all your content look like it's made of plastic, like uh, some TVs can do when they're using their upscaling technologies. So it's a, it's a, it's a definite sort of like more pro feature, if you like, um, which you may want to pay for, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. 
and it also it's it's got a micro sd card slot hasn't it um so yeah because to be honest the standard model only comes with eight gig which isn't a, a lot when you talk about if you want to chuck a load of um apps on it specifically games um and it's also it's chromecast um compatible so there's a lot to be said about spending that extra extra well extra considerably extra amount of money but you do get what you pay for i i tend to find on this but if you're just trying to make your tv a bit more smarter and you just want the basic streaming services you could probably ignore both of these devices to be honest yeah it's interesting with the shield though it, that it's it's it seems to be more for an audience where they've got they've got a lot of content themselves from from whatever source obviously um but you know it it it, it it's almost like it's a it's a more do anything device for someone with an android phone and and laser their own content yeah excellent anyway thanks dan um that's it we'll um check them out on pocketlink.com we've reviewed both so that's all for this week if you've enjoyed the show why not give us a five star rating on the podcast platform you're listening on it really will help others discover the pocket limp podcast for themselves so until next time i've been rick henderson tatty bye pocket Lint has teamed up with philips tv to host an exclusive event at abbey road studios philips is the official tv partner of the legendary studios famous as the home of iconic artists from the Beatles and Pink Floyd to Oasis, Sam Smith, Frank Ocean and Brockhampton. And this unique event is your chance to experience the next generation of Philip TVs in the home of Cinema Sound. And to learn about the new state-of-the-art Philips OLED Plus 984 TV with its immersive Bowers and Wilkins sound system designed to create a movie experience like never before. To find out how to win your place at the event at the end of November, go to www.pocket-lint.com forward slash Philips O-L-E-D.